Getting ready to welcome the summer. It's almost here. Welcome to Hand of Pod. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode 276 of Hand of Pod. I'm Sam Kenny, and this week I'm joined by Andres Bruckner. Hello, Sam. Welcome back, Andres. Thank you. After your week off last week. Yes, it was holidays. Indeed, it was. Hope you enjoyed them. It was holidays from here and from work, so I was had plenty of time to sleep, to watch football, to do a lot of things. So but that's like, It was nice. Yes. That, that sounds like my life every day. Yes. Uh, apart from when I realised that I've got something to do on a, like a two-day deadline because I forgot to do it earlier. Um, anyway, the first thing that I will announce is that we now have a Facebook page. You will recall if you heard last week's episode that we were discussing um, the idea, or rather that I was planning to do the idea, but I didn't want to give you all the URL straight away in case it was already taken. Uh, it turns out that it wasn't, which is in fact entirely predictable. I just wanted to be on the safe side. Um, and so you can hear us on Facebook. No, you can't hear us, in fact, but you can see links to our um, stuff. Actually, maybe I can embed it on a Facebook page the, from SoundCloud as well. So, yeah, you might be able to hear us on facebook.com slash handofpod. You can also, if you don't have Twitter, send us questions on there. Uh, I appealed for people to do this this week, um, and nobody has done. So that's a really good start. But we only have 37 likes at the moment. So if you can go on to Facebook and click like on the Hand of Pod page, I'll love you forever. Um, what else? This is the penultimate episode of the year because we've got one round of... Um, what's it called? The Superliga left before the end of the year. That's being played this weekend. Well, we, in fact, what we've got left is like two-thirds or three-quarters of one round because uh, three matches from round 12 have already been played, of course. Um, so we've got uh, the one remaining round of that left and we have the two legs of Independiente's Copa Sudamericana final. We already knew that they were in it last week or rather after the... the no, yeah, we did last week, didn't we? Because yeah, they won their semi-final on the Tuesday and we recorded on the Thursday. Uh, we didn't know who it was against. It's against Flamengo, and we will be previewing that, that final um, later on in the episode. We're going to preview the final as a whole, and then we're going to record next week on Thursday after both legs have been played. So we'll be looking back on sort of the final as an event as well, hopefully. I'm hoping that I've given Peter enough um, notice for him to uh, fiddle things about a bit with work and, and be here, but obviously we can't promise anything. Um, okay. And also we have Copa Argentina final. On Saturday. Oh, we do, yeah, I forgot about that. Yes, that's why... That's, that's why one of the matches yes. has been played, of course. When you mentioned that the, not all the all of the round will be played, that's why. That's because uh, because of uh, an event that will be taken, will be taken place, yes, uh, uh, that will take place, sorry. Yeah. In here in Buenos Aires, there were some matches that uh, have, have been played in advance. River Union and Vélez... Godoy Cruz, Godoy Cruz and San Lorenzo yeah. Atletico de Tucumán. 
That's but why San Lorenzo Atletico Tucumán wasn't because of that. That was because after the, uh, the River game was played, they then realised, oh, hang on, River are going to be free on that weekend, so we could have the Copa Argentina. Final I thought it weekend. was because um, of that, but anyway, uh, that served in order for River and Atletico Tucumán to play this weekend. Precisely. For the Copa Argentina. It might be. I mean, you might be right. I just got the impression with the way that it was timed because they River played two weeks ago in midweek, yes. and then and then Vélez played two weeks ago the following day in midweek and then the following Monday they announced that the Copa Argentina final would be played in Mendoza on the whatever it is the 9th of December um, and then the day after that they announced the San Lorenzo Atletico Tucumán was going to be played on like two days after that presumably they'd informed the clubs already um, but yeah I just sort of I got the impression that this was the AFA being the AFA again and just going oh hang on we've got a free date yes let's have the final then um, anyway the results from round 11 of the Superliga were Union 1, Belgrano 1 in Santa Fe, Defensa y Justicia 3, Godoy Cruz 2. If you liked us on Facebook, then you've already seen the goals, possibly, because I stuck a link up to them there. Uh, partly because that was one of the matches that I picked out as being a potential for entertainment. So it's always nice when that happens and you get a three-goal thriller. Uh, a five-goal thriller, even. Huracan 1, Patronato 1, rounded off Friday night. And then on Saturday, we had Olimpo 2, Chacarita Juniors 0, Argentinos Juniors 2, Tempele 2, with a goal from the centre circle. And another one, uh, well, another attempt from the centre circle, which did not finish in a goal, um, both from Tempele. Newells 2, Racing 2 on Saturday night. On Sunday, Tigre 1, San Lorenzo 2. Tacheres nil, Estudiantes won. Boca Juniors got back to winning ways with a 2-0 win at home to Arsenal de Sarandí. And River lost yet again, 2-1 away to Gimnasia y Ecrima La Plata. Then on Monday night, um, Lanús, after their Copa Libertadores final disappointment, which we covered last week, got a 0-0 draw at home to Vélez Sarsfield. Atlético Tucumán beat Colón 2-0 to warm up nicely for the Copa Argentina final. And San Martín de San Juan beat Banfield 2-1 in San Juan. Independiente versus Rosario Central is the uh, match left over. That, of course, uh, is postponed because of Independiente being involved in the Sudamericana final. Andres, what were your highlights of the weekend footballistically? Well, um, Colón, I think, was the only team that had, hadn't lost a, a match. They were the... Uh, well... Yeah, they were. Oh, you're right, of course, yeah, they lost for the first time. I completely yes. failed to notice that. First yeah. time they lost, so there are no uh, clean, well, not clean shit, uh, no teams that haven't lost any match. Um, and uh, uh, there is a question regarding the, the coaches. Oh, well, there are a lot of questions about that, but uh, particularly one about the the, the uh, coaches leaving their, their, their positions or, or being quit or were resigning. And this week, precisely, there are three of them uh, that won't be in charge anymore. Mm. Uh, one of them is particularly, it's uh, well remarkable how uh, a team that won and their coach uh, won't be there anymore, like uh, Gorosito, <coughs> whose team, whose team, San Martín and Juan won against Banfield 2-1, and, but uh, apparently he wanted a lot of money for uh, <coughs> their new contract, his new contract, and Jorge Miedowski, the, the San Martín San Juan president, well, said that they can't afford that, and that's why on Monday there were they, there will be their uh, his last match as as coach. Then Walter Cochete resigned as uh, Chacarita yep. manager or coach, 
and uh, the Godi Cruz manager also or coach uh, Larang. La I don't remember the, his, his surname, uh, but yes, uh, so a lot of coaches that won't be there anymore. Indeed, uh, indeed they are. And interestingly, the uh, Teise Paso a Paso on Sunday night were going around interviewing, uh, well, they weren't doing it on Sunday night, of course, they showed it on Sunday night, having done it on. Uh, on Friday afternoon, interviewing defensive DCF fans and asking them to name their manager, and the number of them who didn't know the name was quite surprising. Bochwalda, the, the guy who was in charge of Newell's uh, last year, um, apparently, it, it, they didn't realise he's been in charge for a few matches, I think yes. at least, doesn't he? Because uh, Olam left at the end of this, well, at the end of last season. So, anyway, um, yeah, no, I, I thought defensive versus Godoy Cruz was rather good. Defensive went two 0 up. Godoy Cruz pulled it back to 2-2 and then Defensa got a late-ish winner um, Quite unlucky there uh, I watched the, that last goal of the match the fi- the final goal the third goal from Defensa Justicia and it was an own goal from, from Luciano Abacassis yes, former uh, River defender yes. Yeah, it was cause it, it, particularly as well because I mean the, the shot didn't look like it was going to do very much <laughs> until it hit him Um but yeah, Defensa, with that win, have made it, I think it's now four wins in a row for them, which apparently equals their all-time best top-flight run. Which, considering they've been in the top-flight for about two years, is um, not a particularly high bar to clear. But it means they're in good form. Uh, their last four results have been 4-1 against Tempele, 3-0 against Lanus Reserves, 1-0 against Banfield, and 3-2 against Godoy Cruz. They're unbeaten overall in five. Um, and yeah... And matches that look complicated because uh, you go, you are winning 2-0, then uh, your rival uh, gets the equalizer and, and finally you get that win. I think that uh, when Holland was the, the coach, or Holland uh, was the coach, they, we always mentioned the nice play they they tried to, to make, and but there weren't any, uh, good results. Now looks like it was it is the other way. They didn't play badly. Hmm. But it's not that they are. Uh, e- even when they played against Cody Cruz, uh, which it was a match like you said that could have, could be entertaining because both uh, teams uh, like to go forward and try to to well, play offensively. Yeah. And that now I think that they are uh, getting more the results than the play than the game. But well, it's good for them too. Yeah, it is. Um, and in fact, having wondered about how long uh, Bochwald has been in charge, I've just brought them up on Universal Football for the, the form run. Um, and they actually show you when they changed, when clubs changed which manager and in which uh, uh, fetcher, in, in which round of the uh, of the season. And yeah, Bochwald has been in charge since the sixth round, which was the 3-1 defeat to San Lorenzo. So that was his first game in charge. And since then, five games unbeaten, one draw, four wins. Um, so yeah, it is a bit weird that Defensa Justicia's fans don't know his name. They should be singing it. He's arguably the yes, best manager in their history, surely, uh, by one metric at least, and possibly not by very many others. Um, Argentinos against Tempele on Saturday was notable, principally for. I'm trying to. I'm hoping that this loads before I get to it. I'm trying to just drag this out a little bit. It was notable principally for the opening goal, which was scored halfway through the first half by Juan Sanchez Sotelo from about there, 45 yards out, centre circle. Um, It was very well taken indeed. It was um, something of 
an uneven game uh, in terms of the play because Argentinos just as they have been the previous week if I remember I can't remember who they were playing but I, I feel like we said this last week as well um, Argentinos were, were really far 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 better in terms of chance creation and in terms of just how they were trying to play um, but Tempele scored two goals on the counter attack one of which was this one from almost the halfway line uh, they also had another shot for about literally about 15 yards inside their own half during the second half um, which just sort of trickled bounced quite embarrassingly wide um, and that was all they needed to claim the point Argentinos uh, you know, seeming to have a bit of a problem with converting decent play into good results at times it was against San Lorenzo the, the, the previous round and in which uh, yes, they, they right. also played, played well played better than San Lorenzo and San Lorenzo got a single goal from Blandi yeah and from, and from like two shots or three shots or something yes. in total yeah so yeah, Argentinos are a little bit bad at, uh, at at keeping clean sheets when without even when they're not giving up very many chances. Um, and there was a goal from a player that River misses too much uh, right now, mm. who is uh, Leonardo Piccolici and from a free kick. Yeah, on his in his hundred and fiftieth game for Argentinos as well, he was given a special shirt with the number one hundred and fifty on the back before the match. Oh. Um, um, yeah, but I mean you're right. His his dead ball delivery certainly, and um, it, it is something that River are missing. Uh, for Argentinos, it's the first point in four matches. They had lost three in a row or one nil prior to that, so I guess they can look up on the bright side a little bit there at least. Uh, on now to the big five, and since we've just mentioned River, we may as well get them out of the way. Um, they were really poor again, and it's been a theme of this second half of the year basically and it's been masked over to an extent by a, a kind draw perhaps in the Copa Ar- excuse me in the Copa Argentina um, which has taken them back to the final but if they don't win that final now then it, it's going to have been a very poor it's semester and even if they do win it really in terms of the football being played it's not been a good semester anyway has it? it's really awful because uh, if they win the, 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 the final of the Copa Argentina that would mean to win it uh, for a second time in a row and will be nice, will be good, but looks like it's not, uh, it won't fix all this uh, This part of the season, the season that has been, uh, well, awful of course, um, but and if they lose it, it could be even worse, so it's not that if they win the, the, the Copa Argentina, they will celebrate a lot, but if they lose it, it will be a disaster. Um, yeah, they look like they are uh, shut down or unplugged, or it's a lack of concentration. But not single players, or in in, in particular plays. It uh, looks like uh, the other team could could score uh, at any time, because there are in, in individual and 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 con- mistakes uh, that have to do with concept, that what to do in certain times that are incredible to believe from from professional players like for example uh, of course uh, Poncio is like a, 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 a how can I put it uh, it's like the soul of river but uh, he has been playing not very good in this in the in, not very well in the uh, last matches same as Maidana but mistakes that are for example to to uh, take a throw in and to give literally the the ball for, to rival and the rival being alone just to score the, the, the goal. It's, uh, there are mistakes that uh, are, as I said, really 
hard to believe in for professional players. Mm. That uh, talks. That that uh, means uh, that the team is not very. Uh, they don't look like a whole team. They look like pieces that's that after uh, the defeat against Lanús in Copa Libertadores uh, aren't working. Um, it's yes, really well. I know how to say it more deeper to to, to understand it. Yeah, and uh, there's also just a sort of bizarre lack of, or at least in public, there's a lack of of self-criticism as well. Right after the game, the television, I can't remember which channel showed it, it doesn't matter, the, the, the television cameras um, and journalists were interviewing Enrique Bologna, the goalkeeper, and he went, it, it, it's a sort of, I, I felt like, um, what was it he said, I, felt, I, I thought like a, a draw would have been harsh on us, so to lose is even worse. And I was like, but a draw wouldn't have been harsh on River. A draw would have been actually quite a good result for River because they played really badly um, and and Gimnasia I thought deserved the win um, shots wise it was it was quite even but just in terms of who had the clearer idea of what they wanted to be doing on the pitch and who executed their plans better Gimnasia were much better the problem is that Gimnasia not being brilliant perhaps doing just a correct game or, or, or being uh, having some kind of order Uh, complicated River so much mm. that of course talks a lot about River but apart from, uh, from Gimnasia whom they, they knew how River was going and uh, they were at least perhaps because they knew that uh, uh, River would have this lack of concentration um, in the, well the second goal was just in the end of the match and um, Brian Aleman of course he they, he his shot was perfect was was brilliant but No one went to mark him, to mark yeah. and try to at least cover. Uh, it was just something basic from football when you are in the last minutes or the last minutes of the, of the match, and he was with total freedom to to uh, have the time and the space to 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 well to score that. Yeah, indeed. Um, the, the the talk around River in, in the media and I think in the club as well to a large extent has moved on already to, you know, before the Copa Argentina's been played, to who do they need to bring in over the summer um, and to what are the changes that, that Marcelo Gallardo, who we know is going to be staying in next, well depending on what the current or new president after the elections, which we'll have a word to say about in a few minutes by the way um, decides Marcelo Gallardo will, uh, will, will continue if he's still wanted, so that means that he will be continuing because he will still be wanted. Um, it would be a very brave president who would win that election and then sack him. Um, you know, we, we've already moved on before the Copa Argentina finals even played to discussing who they need to bring in, what are the reinforcements. I mean, two very obvious ones who are going to be almost like new players um, for River are Lucas Martinez Cuarta and Camilo Machada. Machada today became an Argentine citizen. Um, so that means that River can bring in another foreigner if they want to during the January transfer window um, but yeah Machada and uh, Mach and uh, Martinez Cuarta both um, end their suspensions from doping in the group stage of the Copa Libertadores uh, on the 18th is it or something of December so they're obviously not going to be playing in the Copa Argentina final I said last week that one of them Um, might have been but I think they in fact have now both been updated to the same day so they're not going to either of them feature um, there will be three 
we could say new players, of course not real new players, the, the, the ones you mentioned, and Rodrigo Mora, who is unfortunately recovering mm. very well from his serious injury. And uh, then we have to put a big question mark to Darondo and Lolo, who are uh, eternal recovery, uh, recovering from from their also the, from their injuries, but they are complicating very much their their well they're coming back to the to the to the training so we don't I don't think they will be okay to, to play for River. Yeah and also I mean La Ronda just isn't good enough as well. That's the other yes. main obstacle I think that gets in well, the way. Well good or good or bad but he's not ready even. Yeah. Um but no I mean you know it, it gets brought up sometimes like River fans like, oh when's La Ronda back? And I, I just think every time I see somebody asking this to one of the journalists on Twitter or whatever I think who he cares? Who cares when he's back? I mean if he, he could come back tomorrow he's he's shit. Why do you want him back in the team? Um, you know, the, 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 the focus has to be on, on getting some other players in who might actually be good enough to, <laughs> for, for what River need them to do. And yet, uh, just to finish with River, um, apart from all the, 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 the dark uh, weeks or months that River is living, uh, the, that uh, transfer market, which is not still uh, open, it just started uh, in, in a wrong way because it was said that, uh, for example, Marcelo Gallardo wants Luis, uh, Lucas Prato from São Paulo, and mm. he uh, just a week uh, after or some days after uh, he was mentioned to play for River. He said that he will stay there from São Paulo. He wants to to be there and to win titles. Well, uh, there is a, a player that River mentions and a player that is not going to River. So. It started this way, and we don't know. Now it's Luciano Vieto, the one who appears as a candidate, that he's a fan of River. Same as Damian Musto, former Rosario Central midfielder, uh-huh. now at Solos de Tijuana, Mexico. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, remarking that he's a River fan. Well, that, that, that doesn't care mm. uh, too much if he's a River or Boca supporter. No, indeed. Um, so we shall see we, we don't like to speculate too much on the transfer window before it begins and certainly not yes. before the uh, season is almost over or before the summer break has almost come in um, but given that that has been an awful lot of what people are talking about in River in the last few days um, I thought we should at least mention it the other thing that people have been talking about in the last few days is that the elections at River which were supposed to be help me out on here. the 3rd of December Oh, so they were supposed to be on Sunday, just gone, uh, have been put back by two weeks because somebody anonymously made a complaint to some judge or something in the city saying that um, that there were five five fake DNIs on the uh, electoral roll at River uh, because somebody was trying to influence the election. Now, that sounds a bit daft, but do bear in mind that when Daniel Passarella became president of River Plate, he beat the current president of River Plate, Rodolfo D'Onofrio, by like six votes or something, didn't he? After yes. a recount. It was initially 12, and then they found that it was actually six. Um, so, you know, that uh, level of, of voting, even when you've got 30-odd thousand people voting, it can still turn out to be um, determining, although it probably wouldn't have been in this case, because what this has done is it's been widely seen, even though the, the complaint was anonymous, as... Um, as a, a tactic by uh, Caselli, who was one of the yes. other people standing for the presidency, um, to sort of get in D'Onofrio's face and try and discredit him. And 
at least by reading Twitter and by looking at the sort of the river political accounts that um, that are on there, uh, it it mean it, it seems to to be that the main effect it's going to have is that rather than winning with sixty percent of the vote, Donofrio is now going to win with eighty percent of the vote instead because everybody's pissed off with Caceres. Yes. It's incredible how uh, you try to put some dirt there and the, the, that play puts yourself uh, well in a worse position mm. even. Uh, and it, it wasn't so anonymous, that anonymous, because uh, it was named that, uh, mentioned that Horacio Roncagliolo, uh, someone from the, I think, the Caselli list of, of, of uh, members, um, that uh, he made that, that uh, well, statement or well, the, um, and yes, it something that happens, that's, that, that uh, thing that, well, the, 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 the member from the position uh, stated is something that happens in in every club incredibly, because the the members or the socios when they are the certain age they don't pay anymore they they are they are well they pay, their payments their their monthly payments they don't yeah. pay anymore because they are vitalicios that I don't know how you say it in English sort of like, life members yes senior members something like that. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, there well, is when you say over a certain age, do you mean after they've been paid up members for a certain amount of time, or when they actually hit a certain well, age? I think when life? they have fifty years or so that they are members, they don't pay anymore. I see. So if I were to become a socio of River tomorrow, I would need to be a paid up socio until I was eighty-three, more or less. Yes. Cool. Uh, they, they, after that, you don't pay anymore. But if you, we think, fingers crossed, if you die, you don't pay. Uh, you, there is. Someone, someone from your family has to go to the club and say that he's died, he, he's uh-huh. he, he's done, he, he's dead. So, so that the club doesn't count you as a, as a, as a member that you, you available to vote for. I see. Okay. Uh, that happens in every club, and no one goes and say, my cousin or my father, or my brother has died. Oh, I see. So the complaint was that they still are still the list. Yes, and 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 so that's the, <laughs> the well, the, it happens in every club. Hmm. Uh, it, it shouldn't happen. They should, they should have a clean list of members able to, to vote, but, well, it doesn't happen. But also when people die, it should be generally easier to cancel things and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that would make it simple. Just, yeah, things all over Argentine life. I have uh, seen this, uh, the complications that this can bring myself in some cases. Um, Next on the Big Five list, we're going to leave Boca and San Lorenzo for last because they're kind of affecting each other at the moment. Newells versus Racing ended 2-2 in Rosario. It was a match which featured, I think, didn't it, Franco Escobar, this kid who's just moved to... Um, has he gone to Atlanta yet? Confirmed yes, they turned to the, the Tata um, Martino. So I'm going to... I hope it featured him. I'm getting the 11s up now. Uh, no, he didn't. He didn't play. Good. I was hoping that would be the case. <laughs> He wasn't even on the bench, probably because he was about to be sold. Um, so it did not feature him. It did feature a uh, goal from Brian Sarmiento from the penalty spot, if I remember yes. right. Um, another goal, the second in as many matches from Luis Leal, who is a demonstrably bad striker and yet has now scored against River and Racing in uh, back-to-back games and indeed a total of about... 27 minutes or so between the two goals in terms of actual playing time spent on the pitch uh, oh there we go 31 minutes because he, he scored in the 70th minute against River and the 11th minute against Racing um, and 
So it went 1-0 uh, to Newell's 1-1, 2-1 to Newell's through that Sarmiento penalty, and then 2-2 Racing's goals were scored by Lautaro Martinez, who looks like he's off to Borussia Dortmund, but we're not sure just yet, and Lisandro Lopez in the second half. You were going to say something, Andres? Um, no, I, I thought that uh, I was going to ask if were both goals from Leal uh, headers or uh, the against River it was a header and then remember against yeah. Racing. Ah, okay. Yes, as was Lautaro Martinez's and um, oh, and Lisandro Lopez in yes. fact. So yes, uh, Sarmiento's penalty was the only non-headed goal in this match. Um, which is unusual. It's, it's unusual enough for the statisticians to mark when a goal is scored by a header. Because if this yeah. is a freak occurrence or something, which it actually isn't really. But um, yeah, Newells were perhaps slightly hard done by. I thought they were the better side, but they, they struggled and Noen Pass got sent off towards the end for a couple of. I think they were two. Um, oh yeah, fairly close together, about 10 minutes apart, his first yellow card and his second yellow card. Um, which means that he's going to miss Newell's next match. Which is the Clásico Rosarino. What a way to end the year um, in Rosario. Bad luck, because he has been playing really well, or decently at, at least. Hmm. He had been, yeah, he started well. Uh, to, had a good start to the season. Um, who are the others? Oh, Independiente and Central, of course. Independiente didn't play because of the, uh, the Sudamericana final. So we can now move on to the two remaining members of the Big Five, who are San Lorenzo and Boca Juniors. San Lorenzo after we recorded last week I think um, had gone level at the top with Boca Juniors thanks to beating Atletico Tucumán was it 2-0? Yes Yeah in, in that uh, one of those matches that was brought forward from round 12 on Thursday last week I think that was um, and they played before Boca on Sunday they played at 5 Boca played at half 7 in fact Yes, that was right, wasn't it? Yeah, because the yeah the other game, Tacheres' Diantes was delayed, and then Boca was delayed 15 minutes, which is why they kicked off at half seven, not quarter past seven. Um, so by the time Boca kicked off, San Lorenzo were actually top of the Superliga, three points ahead of Boca, but having played two games more. Um, so Boca's 2-0 win over Arsenal means that they still have the advantage in that they're now level on points, but with a game in hand. Um, but both games really sort of were... Pretty much what we'd expect, I guess. Team and, great, quite poor. And weren't well, very well played by no one of, of those teams. No, exactly. Um, Tigre were, uh, you know, basically quite a bad team. Um, and San Lorenzo did precisely what you would expect them to do, which was to get the, the lead before half-time. OK, they considered an equaliser just after half-time, but they, then con- they continued in the second half as if that hadn't really happened and they wrapped things up. Uh, Ezequiel Ceruti got the winner. Paolo Diaz had opened the scoring for them. Uh, and Boca were you know, struggling as much as we have come to expect for Boca when Dario Benedetto is not there to call on and Walter Bow isn't there to back him up. The centre forward for this match was Guido Badala, the youngster who we talked about last week because it looked then like he was going to be the centre forward and so it proved and he got his goal in fairness to him. Uh, it was pretty well taken. Edwin Cardona added one in stoppage time as well. And there's not an awful lot else to say about that game because it was largely what you would have expected from Boca against Arsenal. They were lucky to play against Arsenal after two dull games in which they lost. And uh, the, 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 a lot of points that they had in, uh, that uh, separated them from the other teams, now it was, well, they appear to be second, as, as, as like you said, San Lorenzo uh, had two wins in a row, well, with two matches 
more than, than, than Boca, but they had to win, of course, to at least uh, be showing top uh, until they play against Estudiantes on, on Sunday and try to be alone again in the, in the leadership. Mm. But yes, they were lucky, I think, because Arsenal, we, we knew that it would be like this. Even Humberto Grondona saying that it will be hard to win against Boca, to win and to have and to get a draw even. Uh, but they, they were at least a bit more decent than they, the image that they left in the f- previous matches. Even Boca weren't so good, and I don't say Arsenal was clear close to, to score, but uh, they put things a bit difficult for Boca. <coughs> Until well, Badala scored the first goal, and after, after that it was, I think, uh, knew that Boca would win. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that that's that's fair. When you know, as I say, it's it's what you would expect Boca to do. But there is a certain merit to them doing what's expected of them, given the form that they've been in before, where they, where they lost those two games in a row, um, and suddenly this, the title race had developed. So when the pressure is on, you've, you've got to beat who's put in front of you, and, and that's precisely what they did. Um, a lot of players that weren't uh, perhaps if if. Pablo Golds, Pablo Perez, and, and Benedetto weren't or injured or suspended. That they will come and jump into the team, like Marcini. That incredibly, well, incredibly, yes, at least for me, was strange that he was the captain, Santiago Marcini. Really? Yes. Wow. Yeah, that is weird. Yes. Well, uh, that because Pablo Golds was suspended and now he will be back uh, along with uh, Pablo Perez. Mm-hmm. Um. Which is a boost for Boca, certainly, going into that match against Estudiantes. Um, how did Estudiantes themselves do? They got a 1-0 win away to Tacheres, which was very businessman, businessman-like, or business-like. Um, the, yeah, I, I shouldn't really have started this one, because there's not an awful lot to say about the game, really. It was not a thriller. Estudiantes had very few attempts indeed, but they managed one which was scored from inside the six-yard box by uh, Lucas Milano. Uh, Tacheres had a whole bunch, several from very decent chances, um, sort of in and around the penalty box, and couldn't get it in the net, basically. Couldn't catch it uh, including, this game. Yeah, in, including a, a penalty which got saved at one point, about early in the second half. Um, but, yeah, it, it wasn't... I'm, I'm actually having to remind, remind myself what happened from the... Um, the uh, online stats because I, I couldn't remember very much of the game um, but yes that, that's all there is to say about that on Monday Lanús played their first match after the Libertadores final and it was a bit of a nothing game really it was nil-nil at home to Vélez both teams just going through the motions in large part how did Lanús look after the the well the, the match in which they uh, understandably yes like they but sort of didn't really want to be there I think which is entirely um, understandable uh, obviously the the main thing to take home from that game is that it was Jorge Almiron's last match in charge of Lanús um, he now leaves to I don't know whether it's actually been completely officially confirmed just yet um, but he's going to Las Palmas yes. basically like 99% certain uh, which means he will become the fourth Argentine to manage them I think oh. can't remember any of the others uh, but I saw somebody tweet them on Twitter earlier, uh, so I thought that but was. He will have Jonathan Caleri there, uh, and I think Sergio Araujo also, former both former Boca strikers. Mm. Um, and he's already said he wants to take a couple of Lanús players with him. So uh, yes, could be. We'll see what happens in January. Similar as Guillermo's style. Indeed, yes, 
when, when he went to Boca, he did the same thing. Um, elsewhere, Banfield, San Martin was a fairly surprising result. I thought 2-1 for San Martin. Um, when you would have expected, at least given their early season form and the way they played last season, you'd have expected Banfield to be in with a fairly good chance in that game. Um, I'm just trying to remind myself what Banfield had done before. Banfield had... Uh, I mean, it's been a difficult... A, a bit of a disappointing run for them. They've only won one of their last ooh, seven, which is surprising, given that they started with three wins from four and you know looked like they were continuing the form um, that they had uh, put up last season when they, I mean, didn't really come close to winning the league, but they had that late surge to finish was it second they finished in the end or third yes it was third wasn't it because River, oh, River finished second to Boca yeah um, so yeah it, it's, a, it, it's a shame really because they've been losing as well to teams that they might have been expected to or at least dropping points to teams they might have been expected to beat they lost to Arsenal which was the obviously where the wheels started to come off Banfield's first def- second defeat of the season Arsenal's first victory um, and then a draw with, with Colón a draw with Tempele Defeat to Defensive Justicia, who, as we say, are in magnificent form at the moment, but now defeat to San Martín as well means that you know it, it, there's a problem there and they need to try to do something to, to get around it. I'm yes, not it sure look, what it could be. looks but. like they can't uh, solve the, the, the absence of Sitanich, of, uh, mm. who was centre in the attack, and, and now they, they are playing with several kids and, and looks like the team uh, has lost the, the, well, the, the, the rhythm that they had uh, in previous matches. Yeah, that's precisely right. I think that's a, a nice summation. Um, or summary, as we say in English. Um, I think that that's it, really, for the Superliga Roundup. We will go over the positions to clarify things in your minds, dear listeners. They are as follows. Boca Juniors lead the league with 27 points and a goal difference of 19 from 11 matches. Uh, San Lorenzo second with 27 points and a goal difference of 12 from 12 matches. Union third with 22 points and a goal difference of 7 from 12 matches. Huracan have 21 points and I'm not going to bother with the goal difference now because it's not so important. Huracan uh, have 21 points from 11 matches. Colón have 20 points from 11 matches. Tacheres have 18 points from 11 matches. Independiente have 18 points from 10 matches. So they have a game in hand, at least one game in hand over everybody. Um, and two in hand over San Lorenzo and Union. So in theory, if Independiente were to win both of their games in hand, they'd go to 24 points, which would take them third. Um, yes. Defensively, it was DC 18 from 11, San Martin 17 from 11, Estudiantes 17 from 11, Godoy Cruz 17 from 11, Belgrano 17 from 11. That's your top 12. If you're wondering where River Plate are, they're down in 15th, because they're rubbish. Um, and Racing, uh, even more. <laughs> so uh, down 18th. in 18th place. Um, so it's it's a mixed season so far for the big five to put it kindly um, in the relegation table which I think a few weeks ago certainly was far more interesting um, than the title race and now the title race is, is hotting up a bit again the relegation table is still very much as we were expecting it to go Chacarita uh, bottom um, of it, six points from eleven games. Arsenal are second bottom with eighty-six points from eighty-seven games. Tempele have ninety-two points from eighty-seven games, and Olimpo have ninety-six from eighty-seven games. Patronato have only played fifty-seven and have sixty-six points and are just above the drop zone. The better, um, 
parameter if you want to look at the relegation table and get a good idea really quickly of who is close to survival and who is not is to look at Bede Sarsfield's point total. They're on 104 points. They've played 88 games because of the fact that their round 12 match was brought forward, um, which means that if Olimpo were to win this coming weekend, I can't remember who they're playing, they would go to 99 points from 88 games and they'd be five points behind Vélez. Um, having played the same number of games, it's obviously pretty similar. The, the the table, the relegation zone to the to the table, the table, the positions table, right? And I think the so. Last Let's position. Bottom four: Chacarita, Arsenal, Temple, Olimpo in the relegation table. And if we go to the league table, Arsenal, Chacarita, Tigre, Temple, oh. Olimpo. Similar. Uh, yeah. Pretty so similar. not 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 dissimilar. Um, yeah. And it's similar teams, obviously struggling down there as a whole. Um, oh, Newell's, by the way, have had three points knocked off. Oh. I forgot about that. That yes. happens. That was confirmed. Just this. They will try to fix it. Talking with the with the AFA and and they say that they are optimistic that they will, of course. Uh, this is due to um, unpaid wages yes. to former players. Or problems with the document documentation. That they well, the checks, I think, or yeah. something. Um, payments. The Superliga said at the beginning of the season, or they said before the Superliga first kicked off, that they were going to be harsher about this kind of thing to avoid. Um, the scenes that we've seen more than a few times in recent years where the season has been delayed by by player strikes um, and this is the first sign that they're actually serious about it they have knocked three points off Newells um, so Newells have played uh, have uh, won three, drawn four and lost four but they only have 11 points rather than the 14 11 plus 3 is 14. I but as I said, the, the, the members of, board members of news uh, said that they were optimistic that AFA will uh, forgive this this fine or this three points quit. Mm -hmm. uh, that will be, of course, the same, the, the usual thing that in Argentina, that a team that uh, has a bad behavior or they are fined, then they talk and it's fixed. Uh, we hope not because it would mean that uh, any team could do like always, like yeah. has been happening, they can, could do the wrong things and, and, and they could forgive, forgive them. Indeed, and we don't like to see that happen in Argentina. Yes. It's not the way, the done way. Um, I, I, sorry, I asked you about the tables, the different tables because, uh, the positions and the, the, the relegation table, because I heard last week that uh, Chiquitapia wants to quit the, the averages. Yeah, you've just reminded me of another thing as well, which uh, has come out. Um, apparently, there is a consideration that next season um, will be a um, the, the basically the, the, the Superliga want to continue with torneos cortos, short championships, oh. and that next season we might have a league cup in Argentina, which will be played solely between the teams in the Primera to make up. To a full season because of the fact there are only going to be 26 teams in the Primera next season. Um, I don't like this idea. No, I, me neither. I, I like I the like idea. I would like to see a short championship between August and December next year to get us back to the calendar year championship and line up with the Copa Libertadores. And then I would like to see them do what they have been saying for a couple of years now that they wanted to do, which was get things down to a 20 team top flight and have one championship a season during which everybody plays everybody else home and away just uh, do it please and no averages which is which no, yeah the, the promedios do look doomed fortunately they're, they're expected to be phased out between now and about 2023 I think they're not they're not going to start it next season but shortly after uh, the, the plan is to to begin phasing those out 
um, probably by reducing the number of seasons that count towards them slowly. But yeah, I, I just I, I saw this report. I don't know, you know, how well sourced it is. I don't know whether it's confirmed or anything like this. It was on a, a marketing registrado, is the website. So they're sort of not perhaps the most reliable ones to go from. Well, it's from but, Fox Sports uh, journalist. Yes. Oh, well, of course. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So maybe the, maybe they are a little bit more. Reliable. I, I think he but, should be reliable, but well. But but I just sort of think, God, can't they just? I mean, just 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 give us a proper league championship to watch just once in Argentina. It could be so good if you could just if you could. Yes, and uh, another thing, they want to. I I remember this as I was watching the River game the other night. They want to sell it abroad, and the match started. 10 to 10, even not 20, 20, uh, 9.30. Mm. Uh, I know what was the problem because uh, uh, I was not paying attention to, to any problem that could, could be, but... Uh, the problem was that, that um, right, actually, actually, you're right, there were three, there were four games played on Sunday, three of them were delayed kickoffs. Tacheres um, Estudiantes was delayed because the pitch was inundated because there was a storm across, well, actually it got down to here as well, didn't it, but certainly across central Argentina. Um, over the weekend so that was the reason for the Tacheres delay the Boca game was delayed by 15 minutes because that was shown on the same channel TNT Sports as the Tacheres match so they had to put the kickoff back for television and then Gimnasia River ended up getting delayed as well because Gimnasia's um, uh, team coach broke down on the way to the stadium which is a problem that you wouldn't get in England because the home team wouldn't be all getting a coach together to their own stadium in England the players just turn up in their cars um, but obviously in Argentina, where the concentración is a thing, where, where players stay in a hotel the day before the game, even if they're playing at home, um, this is something that can happen. And hilariously, on Sunday it did. I did see one or two people on Twitter going, that's just another example of the Superliga's bad organisation. And I was like, it's not yes. the Superliga's fault that Gimnasia's coach breaks down. That's Gimnasia's fault, surely. You know, they can't maintain it properly. It's nearly 2am in, 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 in Europe, or well, one... Uh, near 1am in, in England mm. UK but yes well. yeah um, there are so many things they need to do but I do continue to think that a more sensible league structure would really help them to be able to sell the products just make a better product and then you can try to sell it they will. They should put of course it will be a, a mess for Argentina but they should in, in, invert the, the, the times in, for example uh, instead of Gimnasia uh, River at 9.30 to put Temple like Defensa Justicia at 9.30 and River at 11am well or at 5 which is the yes. earliest they can kick off at yes. this time of year because of the um, the, the restriction on, on playing hours due to the heat in the summer but yeah I mean I, I agree entirely 5pm here is 8pm in England 9pm Spain, Italy, Germany, France Maybe someone's going to watch it. Certainly, there's no or very little local league football being played um, at that time for to to be competing with. Um, so yeah, I would agree. No doubt, a lot of listeners do as well. Give us your thoughts. Why not on our Facebook page, facebook.com/slash Hand of Pod. There we go. I got another plug-in. That was almost professionally done, wasn't it? We're going to call half time now and take a break. And when we come back, we will go through some listeners' questions from Twitter because I don't think anybody. Actually, let me check. Oh. I have a Facebook notification. This is very exciting. No, it's nothing to do with the Hunterpod uh, group. So, yeah, we'll, we'll go through your questions from Twitter. Don't go away.
Okay, the first comment that we have had on Hand of Pod this week is from Phil Carney, who says to Sam and Dan Edwards Goal and Hand of Pod for having me on and making it in the first place. It played a big part in my early Anus days. Thank you. Um, you're welcome, Phil. It was a pleasure to have you, and hopefully you can be back in Buenos Aires for a bit more time next time. Andres is sorry that he didn't get to meet you, by the way. He said it before we started recording. Yes, well, I hope that his, that his comeback is when, with Lanús in a similar situation. Uh, I, I see difficult because... Uh, it sounds sounded like a I don't I wouldn't say a miracle, but uh, it was just a great team with a great coach that found the the best pieces in order to play the way he wanted to play, and and it it worked. Yeah. But it's, it's and also the, there's a kind of an end of an era. I mean, yes. three. I think we discussed this with Phil in fact last week. But three of the key players at Lanús are you know in their late thirties or mid thirties at least. Um, yes. So it, it's gonna, it, there's gonna need to be some certain amount of squad renovation, as it were. Um, we have a question now from Tom Robinson. He says, with Nico Ubita Fernandez on fire for defensive justicia, how does he rank compared to his brothers Brian Fernandez and Leandro Fernandez? Well, perhaps Leandro and, and Nicolas could play together. I don't think Brian Fernandez, since his problems with with drugs and, and well he was left aside from racing and now uh, he's there at defensa right or Brian Fernandez as well is he oh no he was at Sarmiento de Junín and, and well now I don't know uh, he was at defensa back and then went to Sarmiento de Junín uh, just previous to their relegation uh, now no, I don't know now but uh, um, he's I think he's having Nicolás Fernandez having his best matches so far of course in his career uh, he scored six goals he has got Nicolas Fernandez is seven appearances and he's got seven goals oh, seven. which is not bad for a midfield no um, so yes indeed I would concur yes. it, it, it's uh, certainly the, the purple patch of his career um, and yeah certainly compared with Brian he looks a lot more useful at the moment yes and with Leandro, well, I, it's of course his his level and his consideration is uh, way up. Thing since since he scored the only goal against Racing, uh, especially creating his himself all the the, the, the opportunity because uh, he quit the ball to Vitor and, and ran and and then he finished very well. So that goal perhaps is. Just one goal, but against Racing. So I think that his consideration from supporters is now yeah. just better than than it was before. This is one reason I like doing at the pub. By the way, you always learn something. I had not realised that uh, Nicolas and Leandro were brothers. Oh, you didn't? It's such a common surname. I was just like, oh, there are two people called Fernandez. So well, he was saying in the matches, but yes, you perhaps you you yeah. you know. Very very rarely actually yes. listen to what the commentators are saying during the games. My my girlfriend gets infuriated by it because she thinks I'm not paying attention to the match. Um, Tom Robinson also asks his second question on the theme of footballing families. Would the three McAllisters at Argentinos Juniors beat them in a game of Wembley trebles? Um. I mean, there's a bit more consistency across them, I think. But ultimately, I'm going to say no, because they're not as good for the moment. But they're quite young. Yes. Kevin, Carlos, no, Carlos is the dad, isn't he? Yes, Kevin, well... I can't remember the other uh, Alexis, and I can't remember the other one's name. Um, but, yeah, no, good question. 
Wembley trebles is where you it's basically three aside, but you're playing to one goal. Ah, okay. But yes, you should try it. <laughs> or yes. not. Um, Peter Coates, hello Peter, says with 13 of the Superliga teams already having changed or in the process of changing managers, who are nailed on to still be in charge come the end of the season? And why do they nearly all resign rather than get fired? Um, nailed on to be in charge still at the end of the season. Gachardo. Barroseskeloto. Probably, I think, uh, Pampa Biaggio at San Lorenzo, who it was confirmed, I think, earlier today, is still going to be the San Lorenzo manager uh, when the season restarts in January. Um, Biaggio has, has officially just been a caretaker manager for what since San Lorenzo went out with the Libertadores to Lanús in the quarterfinals, so for the last sort of couple of months now. Um, but they've been doing really, really well, obviously, as, as starting to run Boca close for the in the title race suggests. Um, so I think probably those three... Uh, I know I mean, no one's actually nailed on, but so, well, Gachardo essentially has a job for life because of what he did right at the start of his, his term at River, and we can argue about whether that's necessarily the correct choice or not, but still. Um, Barros Ecolotto, I think, has, for the moment at least as well, he's, he's fine for another six months minimum. Um, and yeah, anybody else? Olan. Oh, Olano, Independiente, yeah, quite right, of course, if uh, particularly if Independiente do what we hope they do as the Argentine representatives, we will, we've not forgotten, actually I had forgotten, but we, I've now been remembered, reminded, um, we will preview the Sudamericana final once we've got through these questions, um, and beyond that, possi- well, maybe Mojuada as well, um, Zelensky, perhaps at the League of Mm. Arrived to the final of the Copa Argentina, being quite decent in the, in the and, Superliga. And they're also in the, the Copa Libertadores again next year as a result of the final of the Copa Argentina because River have already qualified for next year's Libertadores, which means that come what may, Atletico Tucumán are in, in the Libertadores themselves next year as, as Copa Argentina winners, even if they don't actually win it. We will see Alfredo Berti at Argentina Juniors if they continue playing decently. They have been playing well against. Uh, Important teams like San Lorenzo last week. Yeah, but they've not been getting the results. Yes, so perhaps. Yes, that, that will be, of course, as always, uh, important. But what is remarkable is that we mentioned four of the five grandes, as yeah. which coaches will will be in at the, until the, the end of the season, which no, is not which is unusual. Racing. We haven't mentioned Racing. Who? Well, that's the perhaps the exception. There is a big question role. mark hanging over. Um, and why do nearly all of them resign rather than get fired? Probably to save the club some money, so they, they reach a... I, I imagine that there's sort of behind closed doors, there's a, a payment arranged in order for them to resign rather than have to pay them off. Um, which which but, is incredible is the situation of Marcelo Bielsa at Lille. Yeah. Uh, the, because Lille wants, them, wants him to resign or to uh, say that there is a reason for him to be fired mm. so that they don't pay the, 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 in them... Yeah. Uh, some, but uh, yes, there will be some arrangement there. Indeed. Uh, Carl Grois Carpenter says, ahead of the World Cup, who are some of the players who Jorge Sampaoli should consider having a look at who played domestically? Um, well, there are some who are sort of in and around the squad already. Martin Benitez, Independiente, Nicolas Tagliafico, Fab- Fabrizio Bustos, more to the point, Independiente as well, who, as we've mentioned before, has been called up twice um, in recent months by Sampaoli and has picked up a niggling injury on both occasions which has been just enough to keep him out of the squad although not enough to yes. prevent him from playing for Independiente that's not 
to cast dispersions on whether he actually has been injured or not because um, Argentina is not a, a country where the club v club v country battle is particularly um, problematic. Um, so I would say Bustos, Benitez. Um, I would say I'm. Str- I mean, I'm, to be honest, I'm struggling to mention anybody. I would from say River, I would say a name that could be polemic, uh, but if Dybala doesn't work, I will give a chance to Saruti from San Lorenzo. Oh. Even when Pavon is being well mentioned, that he will give, be given a chance in the World Cup. Yeah, I mean, both both Peruti, uh, Ceruti, sorry, and, and Pavon are a bit more wingers than yes. sort of Dybala's uh, messy replacement role. But yeah, I think both of them um, is, ought, ought to ought to be considered. Um, trying to think whether there's anybody outside Buenos Aires who we're missing. There definitely is because we mentioned some some weeks ago. Jose Gomez, but he after the the, the terrible final he had, he said that he, he will retire from yeah. football. Then he, of course, he said he wouldn't. Or well, uh, it was a, a very bad moment from him for him, knowing that he played a very bad game uh, and in the final, which is of course something uh, even worse for a player. Uh, but yes, after we mentioned him or I mentioned him, he played a fatal game. Mm. Did Um and yeah, there there has to be somebody at Newell's or at perhaps. Uh, well, there are players, there are good players, but that we don't know whether they will have space because Jonathan Torres, Jonathan Torres is the one from Newell's, hmm. the the wing also. Uh, but yes, he's I think he's quite uh, young still. And, and Fertoli as well. Fabio Alvarez he's, from, he's from definitely too young. From Article Tucumán also. Hmm. It's, uh, there are kids that have talent, but they will have to work. I, I will work with them as in a time was was uh, uh, intended intended to do, to join players that from the local scene and to train together and try to make a, like a national team from 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 here. Yeah, which is but, an idea that always yeah. gets thrown around and, yes. and never actually seems to come to fruition. But I think that it could be useful to help to develop some of the younger yes. players. If you have an age limit on it particularly, um, then yeah, it has to be worthwhile. Yeah. Because Reynoso from Tacheres, you have quite a lot yeah. of kids or, or players that have talent and that wouldn't be have the room in the, in the national team that right now to play there in a in a World Cup or something like that, and and they are tal- they have talent and they should be there to train and 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 train other players like Pavon, like Ceruti, like well uh, the ones we mentioned, uh, and we are forgetting uh, some some other players. Not for Fernando sure. Bellucci, please, because he's yes. too old, regardless yes. of how good he is. Anyway, Darren Paul uh, says Heinze, Codette, Bausa or Sebastian Saha. Who do you want and why in charge at Racing? I love Bausa and Saha for different reasons, but I think Bausa is a smart choice. Coldet is good, but the skinny scarf is a killer. Heinze is really interesting. He did great with Argentinos Juniors and good to reward, which I'm going to assume is a typo on his phone for watch. Um, Saha would be an interesting choice and I think a foolhardy one, given that he's not had a job before, as far as I'm aware. Um, if okay, neither of us are racing fans. It's a shame that English Dan couldn't make it to this recording. Um, I think that Gabriel Hainsey could be a good fit, given what we saw from him when he attempted 
uh, Godoy Cruz and then what he managed last season with Argentinos Juniors in, in the Bay um, as, as a slightly more mature manager um, I think that Racing's squad at the moment could be a decent fit for Hainsey and it, it's a similar you know his is a similar style to what Coca played during Racing's first spell in charge um, in that it's attacking in that it, you know he tries to play good football um, and yeah I think that he, he could he could bring some fresh yes, ideas his, to them in his second time. period I think that Coca looked very much to to Bowser's style mm. than uh, than before and uh, I would say as Heinz or Caudet because of the styles I, I like it, at least uh, I think Bowser was some kind of well burned at, at his last uh, uh, era at, at the national team then well he now he was of course fired from Saudi Arabia um, and Saha uh, will be his first ever experience as a coach uh, we could mention Gallardo's first experience as coach of Nacional being becoming mm. champion which is weird because now at River his worst uh, Uh, performances were in the, in the local stage in the, in the yeah. national yeah, the only title he's competed for yes. and not won at River is and, and Primera first ever experience of Nacional he be, they became champions yeah so uh, no one can say that Saha won't be successful but that's a first experience to be just in in, in Racing and it's also a bit easier to win the Uruguayan League with Nacional yes. than it is to win I would say even to win the Argentine League with River not that Um, I'm particularly happy with Mr. Gasharado's record in the Super League in the in the Primera because I wish that River had taken the league more seriously. Um, but yeah, 55%, yes. which when you compare it with what he's managed in knockout games is very low. Even yes. though on its own it sounds uh, um, impressive. Anyway, I'm going to go for uh, Hainsey personally, but I can see how Bowser would be seen as a safe pair of hands. I can see why Caldet might get it as well. But of the names that you mentioned, Darren, hate say for me. Um, the Wide Playmaker says, I remember watching the Carlos Bianchi Boca Juniors size in the 2000s, but if you had to name your top three Argentine managers of all time, who would they be and why? Full time, what? See, I'm a historian. So I'm going to go with Imre Herschel, who laid the foundations for La Máquina. You can read about him or a little bit about him in Jonathan Wilson's book Angels with Dirty Faces um, Hungarian chap who came over here and bullshitted his way into the Gimnasia job um, and after putting together probably the greatest side in Gimnasia's history taking them over in the relegation zone and getting them to finish second um, he then got the River Plate job and as I say laid the foundations for what later became La Machina the machine um, so I'm going to go for him I'm going to go for... Oh, go on. You, you put one name out and I'll try and think well, about it. Well, I will say Tele Santana. Then... Yeah, Argentine. Angela. Argentine. Angela yeah. Bruna, then. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, who, who, yeah. But you say that I'm Hungarian or, or not? Or am I, I am I wrong? You say uh, someone from Hungary? As a, as a oh, coach? I did, didn't I? Yes. Oh. I, I feel as a manager... He is Argentine. Oh, this is the thing, but no, you're right. That that was that that's that's not true, is it? Because the question says uh, the question says top three Argentine managers. So Argentine manager. Okay, then then. Oh God, Bielsa and Angel Bruna, I will say, and I I miss I will miss the third option. Yeah. So, well, okay. In which case, I'm going to play it safe. 
You're going with Menotti. Okay. <laughs> Even though he's probably not, and I'm no doubt forgetting people. But uh, at this stage, and having to give an answer on the spot, that's our top three. You can probably pick a lot of, of problems with that, but still. Uh, Yusuf Amin has offered to take the prediction battle up again. Please. So, no, I, I have no problem at all. Uh, with Yusuf doing this, by the way, I'm very grateful to him, in fact, and with anybody else who wants to uh, compete more than once. Uh, but if you haven't taken part in the prediction battle yet this season, since August, um, and you would like to, please get in touch with us on Twitter because I was hoping that we could have me against one other person and that person would be different all the way through the season, and we're not managing that. Possibly partly because I keep forgetting to, uh, to get people to volunteer until a few hours before recording. Um, Yusef also asks what are your thoughts on Lautaro Martinez's supposed contract extension will it help him improve more or is it the right time for him to move to Europe my thoughts on it are that it sounds like a good way of protecting Racing's investment by ensuring that they can't that he can't be sold quite as cheaply because he's attracting interest let's say uh, from clubs in Europe from Borussia Dortmund from various others yes um, there's at least one Premier League club who Problem is that the calendar will be tight uh, next year before the World Cup that's why for example the Superliga starts in January mm. It's so that in May there the, the, the championship or the tournament is is finished by May but uh, I, I, I read at Ole that he will stay at Racing until June which is Nonsense because uh, if the, he wants to stay for Copa Libertadores, uh, he won't finish it in June. Well, so. he might. <laughs> well, <laughs> it yes. depends on how Racing do. Yes. Um, right. But yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I, I can see how, as a European club, if you're interested, you know, th- there's often a thing of wanting to give a player a complete full season, and if you're seeing them as a genuinely important player for the future, um, and you want them to play straight away it's better to, to bring them in at the start of the season than it is to bring them in halfway through the season and have them suddenly struggling for, for playing time at the same time as having to adapt to a new culture or a new way of living. Um, and especially when they're as, as young as Martinez is. Um, but yeah, ultimately, I don't think that his new contract at Racing is going to actually make a difference to how long he stays at Racing. It will make a difference to how, how much Racing are able to push the price up for him, which is probably why they've done it, I suspect. Yes. Um, Youssef also asks with Almiron having left Lanus as manager who are the candidates to replace him and who do you think would be best I have not been paying any attention to this at all so well, Andres have you yes there is no candidate because it was said that the replace the one who will replace Almiron will be Ezequiel Carboni a former player from Lanus ah we discussed him last week so oh. in fact I have been playing uh, paying some attention without realising it and I've forgotten about it but yes you're quite right so that's been confirmed now uh, well, no, there is no news that, for example, today or, or or yesterday, saying that Carboni will will be the coach. But say it was said by the members, the board members, and uh, especially from Russo, Nicolas Russo, the, the the president, that Carboni will be the the one. But so Ezequiel Kelly Carboni, who shares my birthday as well, uh, oh. will indeed. His nickname is Kelly, apparently. Oh, we, we right. found this out on Wikipedia when we were asked about him last week um, and uh, and he actually does these five years to the day older than I am um, so he will be the manager of Anus by the look of it um, ronniefest20 at gmail.com says what is your thought on the World Cup draw for Argentina can San Paoli make it work with three slow defenders at the back so the World Cup group stage draw you've probably heard already 
because you know you all follow football if you're listening to this podcast, has put Argentina in the same group as Iceland, Croatia, and Nigeria. Um, given the performance against Nigeria in the friendly fairly recently, um, it, it I mean it couldn't have been much kinder to Argentina. It's certainly an easy group. I, I think the World Cup draw as a whole, like looking at all the groups, there are none that I looked at and went, oh, that's really interesting. There's no group of death. There's nothing that looks particularly difficult for any of the seeds. The apart Germany from the fact group, that one of the seeds Mexico. of Russia who are shit, so yes. that's difficult for them. But you know, that's because they're rubbish. It's not because the group's hard. Um, sorry, yes, go on. No, the, the group uh, that will be with Germany and Mexico, perhaps it's it's more uh, the more most even group. But there is no the Grupo de la Muerte. No, like exactly. We say here, no like group like of death. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, we said the same thing in English. Um, but yeah, in, in Argentina's group, I mean, Argentina should qualify and they should do so in first place. Can San Paolo make it work with three slow defenders at the back? No. If he can find one with a bit more pace or if he decides to switch formation, then who knows what could happen, particularly given that Lionel Messi's going to be on the pitch. Hopefully. <laughs> Fingers crossed, touch wood. Um, so we shall see, but there are issues, obviously, and you have identified a very, um, a, a very prominent one, um, Ronnie. Uh, Yusuf says, "Should I send?" Oh, right, Yusuf's um, asking whether he can uh, email me his predictions. I said yes, and he did so. Uh, Ronnie then also adds, "Also, what about the Messi Dybala partnership? Will Dybala get a chance to play with Messi and also Paredes? Does vandalism of the Messi statue have any meaning for local Argentines?" So there are a few questions there that we will unpack. To the Messi Dybala partnership one, I will say, please, listeners, stop asking us about this every week because every week somebody <laughs> asks why Messi and Dybala can't play together. The answer has been so far that Dybala's given the chance. He couldn't do it. Obviously, you're not going to drop Messi to accommodate Dybala. So therefore, Dybala has to be dropped to accommodate Messi and he just has to be seen as a very, very high-class replacement. Um, Nothing that I haven't said before in response to that yes. question. But yeah, I mean, basically, it's not really a partnership. It, it's a case of Dybala being very unfortunate um, to be playing at the same time as possibly the greatest attacking player of all time. Um, so therefore, the answer to the second question, will Dybala get a chance to play with Messi and also Paredes, is, well, probably not, because uh, he won't get a chance to play with Messi. Paredes has a different role and I think could come into the midfield to support Messi or Dybala hopefully Messi um, and is certainly a player who, who needs to be looked at I think and does the vandalism of the Messi statue have any meaning for local Argentines so Lionel Messi there is a statue of him in Puerto Madero which is an area of uh, Buenos Aires um, and it was vandalised again it's been vandalised before um, over the weekend somebody chopped its legs off I did see one account on Twitter so that they had uh, vandals had, had converted the statue of Messi into a statue of Benedetto um, which I thought was quite funny it's a bit cruel um, it, it, ultimately I mean for the majority it doesn't like I know that people often abroad still have this idea that Argentines don't like Messi and don't appreciate him in fact I think the majority now do um, but uh, yeah basically it's just dickheads vandalising something yeah. I don't think there's too much to be read those are of course they are vandals that they aren't they People like you and me that uh, don't like Messi and go and perhaps cut their legs. No, exactly. Uh, it's yeah. It's just people being stupid, yeah. basically. Uh, Manuel Schweizer says, 
Hey guys, the club of my home city, Stuttgart, is according to German media close to an agreement for a transfer with Beres Sarsfield for Maximiliano Romero. Can you please give me an evaluation of his skills and talent? We can, he's very good. Uh, he is two-footed, he's quick-footed, he is very sure in front of goal. Um, and if you want to hear a lot of detail on him, or, well, a lot more detail than I've just given you, uh, you can listen to Brian Bertie's podcast on Twitter, which is, I can't remember what the name of the podcast is, but I guessed it on that last week. We were asked each, the, the three of us had to pick two players and then talk about them and give some details about them and were asked questions about them. And uh, Romero was one of the players who I picked out. I think, personally, that if they are willing to put some faith in him, because he is only 18 years old, um, that Stuttgart have got a really, really good player. He's, he's one of the few to come through the Belles Youth Academy in recent years, so I think actually lives up to the hype. Yes, the is that he has the main responsibility to score at, at a team like Belles. Mm. Uh, and he's also, yes. he's, he's sort of a little bit unfortunate in that he was dropped at the weekend, or sorry, a couple of weeks ago, yeah, well, a week ago, um, because uh, the, the manager decided to go with slightly more experienced players having fielded, as we mentioned in the last couple of weeks, a very, very young teams, by and large, until then. And Melis won 3-0. Um, I suspect that Romero was left out of the squad because this transfer was, was close to, to becoming reality. Um, and the more experienced players, Gonzalo Bergesio came off the bench and scored twice, Fabian Cubero scored once, that was the 3-0 win over... Oh, I can't remember who. Um, but that shouldn't overshadow it. I mean, I, I think... And you're quite right to point that out, Andres. But I, I think that um, it's a case of basically Romero being when Meles were fielding this this side with a bunch of like an average age of like 23 or something. Um, Romero was their best player by far, and the problem that he had was that the others were not giving him the service. I think when he gets the service, he can be a very. They had defeat Olimpo. Thank you, three 0 over Olimpo. Thank you very much. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I think he'll be a really good player in in a few years' time. So I, I would say if, you, if you're Stuttgart, I can't remember how much the transfer fee was, like 10 million euros, well, somewhere around that. high for a player like, like 10, 10, yeah, 18 euros. It is, it's but if bad, he turns out yeah. to be as good as he, as he looks like he could be, um, but as, as normally and, and personally, over, yes. over the summer, if he hadn't gone to Europe, I would have been saying that River should have, should have tried to get him in because they need a centre forward, yes. and I think that he, he looks the business. Um, so yeah I, I, I think that Stuttgart as long as they're not going to be I mean I don't know what Stuttgart's striker situation is so for all I know they might stick him in at the starter if they do he might catch fire and score 15 goals between now and the end of the season um, but as long as they're prepared to you know play it in the long term over the next sort of two to three years I think he will turn into a really good player for the club personally yes. um we then have Sesentai Seises Treshas who says there is a rumour about Mascherano. Maybe he won't be called up for the World Cup. What do you think? There has also been a rumour about Mascherano that we saw on the television, which I'm going to bring in here, yes. which is that his uh, recent statements about maybe leaving Barcelona might be pushing him closer to a rebound plate. So, Andres, what do you think about him not being in the World Cup squad? And what do you think about him signing for River, if he does? Please don't. <laughs> what, for either of them? Uh, he's, of course, he's, I... I, I, I I like very much the way he plays, or he played, uh, but now he's he's quite old, and and we have Leandro, Leonardo Ponzio now that he's about to retire, and he's similar age, and his performances recently haven't been very good, um, and because of that, I think he's uh, slow, he's not very concentrated, uh, and I, th I don't think Machano right now will 
be a, a solution for the moment the river is passing through. Uh, so, well, uh, there was a rumor of, of China, or I don't know if it was the MLS, uh, but no, I don't think river needs right now Maturano. Yeah, I would I would agree river-wise and national team-wise. I would say that he... Oh. I mean, the national team shouldn't need him either. The truth is that sometimes when they're playing the back three, he looks like the person who's making it hang together because he's the most mobile of the centre-backs, even though none of them, including him, have got any actual pace. Um, but, yeah, I mean... I, he might still be an important player for Argentina, but he shouldn't still be an important player for Argentina, is the way I would put it. They should have got somebody in by now um, and have been able to phase him out of the team. Obviously, that's partly you know, a, a big part of the reason that that's not happened is that Argentina have changed managers a few times in the last 12 months. No, 24 months. Certainly in the last 24 months. Well, 18 months, really. Um so that that doesn't help the sort of long-term planning, but I think in a sensible world, if Mascherano doesn't make the World Cup squad, Argentine, Argentines shouldn't be worrying too much. Of course, we're not in a sensible world, and we're certainly not in a sensible country, so they probably will if he doesn't make it, but we shall see. Um, Liam Kelly, finally, who is no relation to me, says, is Arsenal versus Independiente, brackets, reserves, on because it's Arsenal and not anyone else? I think it must be because I was saying this just on Twitter beforehand when asking for the uh, predictions. I was thinking, oh, it's going to be a 10-match weekend this weekend because we've had three games already and Arsenal Independiente will be postponed because it falls between the two legs of the Sudamericana final. But according to the fixture list that I can find, Arsenal Independiente is going ahead, um, which seems really weird because Independiente have every right, if they want to, uh, down you know in, in the AFA's constitution... Um, to ask for that match to be postponed because they're in a continental final. Um, By the so Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I can only assume that, yeah, precisely, that having beaten Racing with their reserves in the Classical um, last weekend, well, that, last, yeah, a week and a half ago, uh, the Independiente reckon they can do Arsenal as well with the reserves. Yes. Then it must be. Um, and Liam says, also, Messi's statue gets destroyed again and you still can't get the ball off him. Quite right, because the, the feet and the ball stayed on the plinth and the rest of the statue didn't. Um, and Liam says, quite a hit from German Brian, or Brian Aleman, at the weekend. Would you say that Bologna is the favourite to starting goal on Saturday in the cup final? A win would only paper over the cracks of a disappointing first half of the, and then Liam says, tournament. I'm going to pick him up because I don't like it when people do that and say, championship. Torneo equals championship. Yes. Tournament is something different entirely. It's not a knockout competition. Anyway, uh, after telling telling you off for answering the question, Liam, I'm not going to, to answer it. Um, yes, Bologna still is the favourite starting goal, for sure. Yes. It was a very good hit from Aleman. Bologna probably should have done a bit better with it, given how far out he was. But it was after just what at happened... The, to the corner, and, and yeah. uh, as I said, the, it was more a problem from the midfielders and defenders that didn't want to cover the, the shot from, from Aleman, knowing, knowing that the way he, he, he shot the ball, uh, it's like letting Messi shoot a, a long or a medium distance or short distance shot, knowing that Messi, the way the, the way he plays. Yeah. Uh, uh, Aleman is one of the great, uh, well, the, the one, once one of the great players, uh, shooters from, from the, from, from the league and, and no one went there to cover, so 
uh, well, Bologna, I think, was useless there. Yeah. Um, I also think that Bologna's favourite to start in the cup final purely because of what we've talked about a fair bit in recent weeks of what's been going on with Lux and Batasha. Um, mm. So he's almost by default. I, I don't think he's the favourite to be Rivers' starting goalkeeper um, come January or come February. Um, they will certainly be trying to get somebody else in. But yeah, on Saturday in the cup final, yes, he will start. Yeah, but I think that they, they should bring a, a goalkeeper that has not a brilliant name, but he has, has proved a good performance. Like, for example, Campania from Independiente. Uh, the Uruguayan now is, uh, has proved he's quite good. And when he went to Independiente, the, perhaps the, the, the supporters were like, Campania, who is him? Mm. But now he proved he's good. Uh, and... Uh, since Guzman, Andujar, Armani, or, or Marchesin, or, well, the, the, or Romero, the ones that River was looking for, uh, won't come for sure. Uh, I, I will look for another goalkeeper that has not uh, a, re, a very heavy surname, because Herman Lux had, had, scored, had a, a played for River before, and he's, he, he proved right now that he wasn't uh, the, the goalkeeper for River. Indeed. We're now going to go to Mystic Sam's theme music. And when we come back, it will be Mystic Sam against Mystic Yusuf again. Again, please. Somebody, if you, if you want to take part, then, then you know, let us know. If you don't, then I'll continue to play against Yusuf and, um, and Jimmy for the rest of the season. But we shall see. Um, so don't go anywhere. Mystical predictions followed by that promised preview of the Copa Sudamericana final. Here we go. The first game of the week. Uh, hmm, okay. Yusuf has uh, emailed me his predictions, including the three games that have already been played, which I think is possibly an attempt to. Um, oh no, it's not entirely an attempt to um, to get ahead on the scores because he's predicted Venice Southfield to beat Godoy Cruz when they've already lost uh, 1 0 at home. So I'm going to not count that on his record. Uh, so just a reminder that round 12, uh, the matches that we've already had have finished. River Plate 2, Union 0, Vélez Southfield 0, Godoy Cruz 1. Both of those were a couple of weeks ago. And then last week on Thursday, San Lorenzo 2, Atletico Tucumán 0. The other games go as follows. Um, Temperley versus Tigre. Uh, Yusuf is going for a Temperley victory. I'm going to go for... Yeah, Tigre are quite bad, so I'm going to go for a Tempele victory there as well. In Patronato versus Olimpo, Yusuf's going for a Patronato win. I'm going to go for a draw. Belgrano against... I almost said Belgrano versus Cordoba. Then. Belgrano against Huracan in Cordoba. Um, Yusuf's going for an Huracan win. I think I think that that's... I'll go for a draw. Um, Banfield versus Argentinos Juniors. Yusuf says Argentinos win so do I Arsenal against Independiente I mean it's tricky isn't it oh Yusuf hasn't predicted this one that's a shame um, but it, it will be played finally well according to this fixture list it will yeah uh, so I'm going to go with even though it's the reserves I think Independiente will indeed do enough 
Um, Rosario Central against Newell's Old Boys, the Clásico Rosarino. Yusuf's going for a Central victory. I'm going to go for a Newell's victory. Because they've been in good form recently. So have Central, of course, but still. Um, Colón against Tacheres de Córdoba. Yusuf says Tacheres win, I say draw. Racing versus Gimnasia La Plata. Yusuf's going for Racing, and so um, mm-hmm. No, no, I'm not. I'm going to go for a draw there as well. Um, Estudiantes against Boca. Yusuf says Boca. I say draw. San Martín against Defensa y Justicia. We're both going for Defensa y Justicia. And Chacarita Juniors versus Lanús. We're both going to go for Lanús in that one. Uh, Yusuf, if you want to... Oh, hang on, no. I'll, I'll send you that on Twitter instead. Doesn't make much sense for me to say it now when I've uploaded it and yes. by the time you hear this. But, uh, yeah, I was going to say to Yusuf that if he wants to um, tweet me his prediction for... Which game was it that he was missing? Arsenal Independiente. Then I will add that to the blog as well. Um... Oh, hang on. I've got another Facebook notification. Is this a question? No, it isn't. That's a shame. Um, okay, so no questions at all from Facebook. Copa Sudamericana final. Independiente versus Flamengo. It should be really entertaining, I think, because both teams have been going for it quite a bit. Difficult to predict, right? Because I think yeah. they both are, are, are deserve to be in the final. And, and, well, Pablo Guerrero not being at Flamengo because of his stopping ban... For the uh, first leg, he's yeah. I think he'll be back for the second. Oh, he will be back. Okay. I think so. Yeah. Well, but yeah, he's he's out for the first leg. Um. Yes, it's really really hard to, to predict. Mm. I I think. I mean, I I make Independiente perhaps slight favourites, but um. No, I'm just really looking forward to it. Flamengo, of course, got um dumped out of the Libertadores in the group stages, and I can't remember which group they went out of. But I remember thinking they'd been. Pretty disappointing. They had an Argentine team in their group, but I can't remember which Argentine team. Um, they were quite disappointing because you know there were lots of people after the first couple of games going off. Oh, Flamengo are the favourites for the for the title here, um, and then they played awfully in the second half of the group stage. Um, they have really picked themselves up again since then. Um, they got past uh, Atlético Junior in very impressive fashion in the other semi final. Second leg of that was last week. They got four one in aggregate, two nil away on the night and uh, 2-1 winning the Maracanã the previous week um, and yeah I just think it, it's going to match up really well because they like to go forward and Independiente under Ariel Olan like to go forward as well the second leg of Independiente versus Libertad as we mentioned on last week's podcast was ridiculously entertaining for a neutral um, the first half particularly the second half possibly a bit less so but even that had the the drama of the knowledge that if Libertad managed to snatch one goal, then they'd be going through on away goals. And that helped to add some nerves to it as well. Um, and so, yeah, I, I just, uh, as you say, it's hard to predict. I think they will go to penalties. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know who will win there because, of course, it's uh, very, very tight. But uh, The regulations in the Sudamericana, I'm assuming, are the same as the Libertadores, which is that away goals do not count extra, yes. unlike the rest of the championship. And there will be 30 minutes of extra time if the scores are level after 90 minutes of the second leg um, before penalties. So, yeah, I, I think it's going to be close. But then, if one team get ahead early, you can see it running away with it. But you can also see the other team doing enough to come back into it as well, because both teams have got a lot of talent going forward. Um, what surprised me, surprised me quite much is that uh, Flamingo had 6,000 
tickets available and they bought only 400. Oh, really? But yeah, I'm not wrong. Well, for, for this week's game? For, yes, for, the, for the first tomorrow's game for huh. here in Argentina. Oh, well, so not a big travelling support. Independiente will manage more than that in America now, I would think. Yes. <laughs> Argentine, yes. Argentine teams tend to travel quite well. Um, but yes, that's perhaps not the most detailed of uh, previews, but we have at least previewed the Copa Sudamericana final. It's a shame that Peter yes. wasn't able to make it this week. He would be able to give us yes. a bit more right, detail. Right now they are... They are uh, now that they are... Uh, showing the, some finals from Copa Sudamericana in the past. They are now showing River Cienciano, the one that River lost against Cienciano, incredibly. Mm. Well, um, so, uh, we hope that, of course, Independiente wins that cup, that cup and they play the Recopa against Gremio next year. Yes, and it would also classi- uh, classify them, qualify them for the Libertadores next yes. year as well, of course. Um, but, yes, good luck, Independiente. And good night, I think, from both of us. Uh, thank you very much for listening to Under Pod 276. Please tune in again next week when we'll be recording again on Thursday, as I said, to review the Sudamericana final in rather more detail than we just previewed it. Um, and to look back on the year in Argentine football. For now, it's thank you and good night, or good morning, or good afternoon, or whatever time it is of day that you're listening to us from Andres. Good night, thank you. And from me, goodbye.